0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Astro Vibes, a podcast where I get down to the nerdy, dirty details of this ancient language, and sometimes about you. I'm your host and astrologer, Caro, and I'm so glad that you're here. As you may know, this podcast is part of Ambient Vibes Music, a music blog that seeks to uplift artists with its platform. So, fittingly, today we're going to be kicking off a series about the astrology of creativity, but before I introduce that, I want to keep my promise about incorporating more transit news into the show. So I present to you, BB's first mini transit report. beep be de, beep be beepity be beep. Transit news. That sounded like chocolate rain. Yay. Let's do transit. There are two big things happening this week that I'm going to talk about. And in reality, there's more than two things, but this is a mini transit report. Okay. So the first one I want to highlight is the Venus Saturn conjunction that happened at 21 degrees Aquarius this past Monday March 28th at 2:27 p.m. Central Standard Time. When two planets conjoin at the same degree of a sign, we experience a mixture of these two planets energies. Venus and Saturn aren't the most compatible planets ever. Venus is about enjoyment and pleasure in the moment and Saturn is all about the denial of those things. Because it wants the long-term benefit. Venus likes to bring people together, and Saturn likes its alone time. In Aquarius, both planets value their individuality and they don't really give a fuck about fitting in with the group, although they must be part of the group. You cannot leave an Aquarius out of the group. They will be sad. Also, Venus is in Saturn's domicile in Aquarius, so Saturn's gonna be the stronger planet of the two meaning we're going to experience more of the cold, serious, sometimes depressing qualities of this transit. Also affecting Venus's position in this aspect, for the past few weeks, Venus has been what's called enclosed between malefics. The malefics are Mars and Saturn, and they've both been on either side of Venus, a benefic planet. Venus can't function at her best when she's enclosed this way, and the process of her separating from her conjunction to Mars and then conjoining to Saturn is called besiegement. Besiegement doesn't sound great, and it isn't. When you're besieged, you're attacked and you have a hard time fighting back because, well, you were besieged. Sorry to be a downer, because in better conditions, this could have been a really lovely transit that's more about loving, long-term commitments, stable growth, and lasting friendship. It could still be about these things, but odds are we're going to experience the more Saturn part of this uh, transit. So if you've been feeling a little bit bummed out and unable to enjoy yourself this week, whether it's because you're depressed, shout out to my depressed people, it's March. So you're depressed or you have a lot of work or people in authority are bringing you down. That's also very Saturn. It might be because Venus is having a hard time with Saturn in the sky right now. The good news is that As she moves away from Saturn, her time in close will come to an end, and then we get Venus exalted in Pisces, just in time for spring. It will get better, my pals. If you want to learn more about what area of life this transit might affect for you, you can check what house Aquarius falls in and whether you have any planets at or near 21 degrees of Aquarius. The next transit I want to talk about is the new moon happening this Friday, April 1st, at 11 degrees of Aries. Looks like I forgot to find the time for that, but it's okay, you can't see the moon, so like, no reason to go outside anyway. And the reason for this is because a new moon occurs when the sun and moon conjoin in the sky, and they're too close for the sun's light to reflect onto our little satellite. New moons are times of new beginnings, and they're ideal for planting seeds and getting things started. This is why people set intentions on the new moon and work on manifesting them throughout the cycle but not every new moon is the same right because there are different things going on in each new moon chart no oh man are there a lot of things going on in this one let's start with the new moon itself a new moon in aries is bold primal quick to act while the new moon is usually a time of lower energy This Aries moon is going to pack more of a punch, just because of the sign that it's in. To add to that, the new moon chart is full of conjunctions, which along with oppositions are the highest energy aspects. There are also a couple of stelliums, or formations of three planets or more in the same sign, which accentuate the sign's energetic contribution to the chart. The first one is the one we've already talked about, which is Venus, Saturn, and Mars, in Aquarius. Take the vibes I just told you about and apply them to the new moon vibes. Not very cute so far, and it sure does get weirder. The other stellium includes the stars of this chart, the sun and the moon, which are sandwiched right between Chiron and Mercury in Aries. This fiery new moon just got hotter. Chiron represents our wounds and how they manifest in our lives, including both the pain and the healing part mercury is how we think and communicate this stellium gives me the vibes that some people are going to be really hot-headed around this time i would go about this day expecting that people are going to be egotistical and easily triggered and that includes you body definitely make time for some extra self-care specifically aimed at cooling down your nervous system like breath work or a nice walk or a nice little shower whatever works for you the last planetary combination in this new moon chart that I'd like to share about is Jupiter slowly cozying up to Neptune in Pisces, which will become exact on April 12, 2022. A lot of astrologers have been talking about this upcoming conjunction because it's a big deal. Jupiter and Neptune are co-rulers of Pisces, so it's like super-powered. Jupiter expands whatever it touches, and Neptune represents consciousness. There's a lot to say about the history of what happened the last time they conjoined in Pisces in 1856, but I do have a full-time job, and I want to focus on how the planetary influences might feel for you personally as we are going about the next couple of weeks. Jupiter and Neptune together could go a couple of different ways. At its best, this could look like deep feelings of empathy and devotion to helping others, like an ability to dream like you never have before. Pay attention to your dreams, though, for real at it's not so cute. This transit could feel really confusing and irritating, especially to your body and your physical systems. Again, another point for birth work, yoga, shower, whatever. Look for the house that Pisces falls in your chart to learn more about what area of life might be affected by these vibes. A lot's going on with this new moon as we can see. It's definitely more tense than lovely and chill, but conjunctions and stelliums all bring a lot of energy to the table. I wouldn't say this is a bad moon for manifesting, but I think it does require awareness of the temperamental and unstable energies that we're dealing with. As you consider the intentions you want to set, I would encourage you to ask yourself, if you're just wishing for something because you're feeling threatened or defensive, how can you shape that desire into something less based on ego and more based on what you can offer the world if it comes true? and that's your journal prompt for today. So those are some things going on in the current sky and how they might affect the vibes. I would love to hear any stories that you have about the Venus-Saturn conjunction and the new moon in Pisces and how that came up in your life. Also, if you want me to just straight up interpret your transits for you, guess what? I can. You can book book a birth chart reading with me using the information in the show notes and we can look at some predictive stuff too on the side. All right. All right to our break and afterwards I'll get into what we've all been waiting for the astrology of creativity talk to you soon Damn, you blew it. got so jealous when you saw me smiling I'm all The rest of this episode, I'll give you a little introduction to my perspective on what's important to assess when you're thinking about how creativity manifests in a birth chart. The keywords here are my perspective. Another astrologer could have a very different opinion on what to look at, and that's why it's important to listen to multiple different astrologers talk about similar things. In future episodes, you'll get to hear me do a live chart reading and an interview with a few artists in the Ambient Vibes community. I've already recorded a few of these, and not to brag, but they're really good and heartwarming! My guests have been so truly lovely to talk with, and I can't wait for you to hear those episodes, which will be sprinkled throughout season two! Yay! And, here is my preamble for the episode. I believe everyone is creative. Well, it's less of a belief and more of a fact. There are whole chunks of our human brains set aside just to allow this wonderful ability. Let's define creativity. The Internet Dictionary says that creativity is the use of the imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. Putting the artistic work part aside for now, I think that's a really good definition. Anytime we come up with a new idea, we're being creative. When we think of a new way to solve a problem, we're being creative. When we come up with a joke mid-conversation, creative. We wake up in the morning and we pick out what to wear. We imagine the goals we want and find ways to achieve them. We get thoughtful gifts for our friends. We intentionally arrange the food on our dinner plates. I love my cats, but they can't do this shit. (laughs) The capacity to create is what makes us special and sets us apart from other creatures on Earth. So I'm not here to tell you whether or not you are creative based on your signs or your Venus placement or anything else in your chart. I'm here to tell you where to look, so you can find out more about your unique, creative signature. There are a lot of places in the chart that we can look to see creativity, and I'm only going to talk about a couple of them. We could do a whole season on this topic, but as I want this show to be beginner friendly, I'm going to keep things pretty basic. So today I'm going to focus on the elements and modalities, the fifth house and its ruler, and the Venus placement. So if you've been listening for a while, you know I'd like to get a bird's eye view of the chart before so that I can start thinking about what are the stories that the elements and modalities are telling me. The same will apply when we're focusing on what kind of creative energy and direction a person is bringing. FYI, the elements and modalities are ways of describing the signs of the zodiac. Planets in a certain sign will carry the elemental and modal energy of the signs that they occupy in the chart. The elements are fire, air, earth, and water. Each of these has its own specific way of going about the world and experiencing it. They represent the types of energies we carry within us and the forms in which they come out. Creativity-wise, the elements in which your planets reside, based on sign, will tell you something about what might inspire the chart owner to create. If you have a lot of fire, or Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius in your chart, you might channel your creativity like someone fueled by an idea burning in their heart. The creations might be super inspiring and motivating to other people, and you savor the attention that they receive. There's a certain boldness and adventurousness that fire signs might use as a jumping off point for their work. You're probably interested in doing the thing that's never been done before. If you have a lot of air in your chart, For Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius, you might be most inspired by your relationships with other people. Air signs are super relational, so dialogue, feedback, or like-minded communities might be important to getting you going creatively. You might also get most excited by the ideation part of the creative process, when you're just brainstorming shit and having fun imagining what the thing could become. Air signs are going to value communicating their ideas as clearly and comprehensively as possible. With a lot of Earth in your charts, or Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, it's the sensory things that turn on your little creative spidey senses. Creating might also be really physical for you, involving extensive use of your body, like dancing, building shit, cooking, or baking. You don't really get the point of creating something that can't be consumed through the senses. You're going to want your creations to manifest in the material realm, ideally so that others can enjoy them as the sensory delicacies that they are. And my water babies, or Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, your creations might be most inspired by your feelings, and they might evoke a lot of feelings in those who witness them. Emotions are your creative channel. Like a flowing river, the energies might just spill out of you whenever they want and it's up to you to figure out when to set up a dam to keep it at a trickle or welcome its flooding. There's a depth to the things that you create that people have a hard time shaking off. Of course, it's extremely rare for someone to have planets in just one element of their chart. We all generally have a mix of them, with one or two being predominant. Knowing your own unique mix can be helpful in understanding and embracing what gets you going creatively. For example, My personal planets are all in air and earth signs, and my art reflects that, I think. I'm super inspired by the back and forth in my relationships, and most of my creations are things that manifest in the physical world, like the journaling by hand, the embroidery, the cooking. Because I know I don't have any water or fire in my chart, other than Pluto and Scorpio like the rest of our generation, I know that emotions and pure energetic inspiration aren't going to be the things that get me going. It's discussion, communication, using my senses is going to do that. So then I can cater my creative process to that. I can put on some incense. I can eat a nice snack during my writing process, which I do. I can call a friend if I'm kind of stuck on something. So knowing all these things, I can be intentional about growing my practice. And I can also work on facilitating the growth of water and fire elements in me, like making sure I'm sitting with my emotions about a project Or remembering the spark that lit up when I first had an idea. It's not bad to have less of something in your chart, like less of one element. Um, And it's not like the ultimate goal to achieve all of them. It's just embracing what you have and working out what you want to have that you don't, if you want. All right, on to our break. I like Brussels bus doesn't mean I'm all grown up now. I like Brussels bus doesn't mean I'm all grown up now. I tried to make my bed, but I crawled under the covers instead. I tried to make my bed, but I crawled under the covers Call me grown up. Go to the modalities, which can be interpreted as the way we go about getting our creative work done. The modalities are ways to categorize the signs via their roles in the process of completing a project. The like with the elements, knowing what modalities are strongest in your chart can help you understand your strengths and your growth areas. Cardinal signs, like yours truly, who has every personal planet but Venus in a cardinal sign are known for taking initiative and being the ones who start things. They are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. For some reason, people listen to us when we say things. Like Christie and the Babysitter's Club franchise, with a lot of cardinal energy in your chart, you might be great at getting things going. If you read those books, you know what I'm talking about. Especially if you were a baby queer in the 90s. The way she took charge at those meetings really got something going, am I right? Anyway, of course, we all have our growth areas. For cardinal energy, the challenge is actually following through with the idea that you got so excited to put together, and sometimes this can be done through teaming up with people who have different modal energy than you, such as maybe a fixed sign. If you have a lot of planets in fixed signs, or Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, you might tend to naturally fit into the manager and organizer role when you're working on a project. You can stay laser-focused on the goal that you're trying to achieve, and you'll work methodically towards it. Think Marianne vibes, taking her little notes and keeping track of the appointments and shit. Also, Stacey as treasurer, but I like Marianne better. The thing about fixed sign energy is that it's not very flexible, and it can get stuck doing things in ways that aren't working for them. If you're a fixed sign, it might be hard to imagine new ways of doing something once you get used to your original idea or plan. There can also be challenges with lack of urgency because you just really value the process more than the outcome. Mutable signs, like the seasons they represent, are flexible and do feel a sense of urgency. They are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Their seasonal job is to close things out and ease us through transitions. If you have a lot of mutable energy in your chart, You might be best at doing the plotting, necessary work it takes to create the reality of an idea. You might also like variety in your work, and you might get bored without that. With a lot of mutable energy in your chart, you might be great at tying up loose ends and getting your team closer to the finish line. Maybe you're the one who brings that last burst of energy that everyone needed. I feel like this is Claudia vibes because she really carried the team. She took the phone calls after hours because she was the only one with the private phone line. I love those books, y'all. I'm so glad I got to talk about them today. So there you go, the elements and modalities and how they describe your creative signature. To review, the elements tell you about what gets you going, and the modalities tell you about your creative process. Now let's explore the fifth house and how it relates. As you know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, the houses are the areas of life in which the planetary dramas play out. It can also be helpful to think of the houses as a process of becoming. The first house is all you, your body, your physical appearance, your identity. It's the first thing you come into this world with. As you grow, second house matters come up. You learn how to hold up your own neck, how to hold things on your own, how to walk. Your existence is dependent on the assets and resources that surround and are within you. Then comes the third house part, which involves coming into more of an awareness of your surroundings and learning things from them, like how to write, think for yourself, and to read. At the fourth house stage, we become conscious of the importance of our families and the true meaning of who and where we come from. Our roots help cultivate our inner worlds then, we have the fifth house. The fifth house is our personal launching point, the point where we individuate from our lineages and express ourselves as our own person. The fifth house, in my opinion, is where our humanity really emerges. Why? Well, you may have guessed it by now, because in this house, we learn about creativity, the process of going within ourselves, imagining something that has never been done quite that way before, and then making it a reality. Creativity is self-expression, and self-expression is creative. The fifth house rules all things creative, fun, and pleasurable. It also rules things like fertility and children, which makes sense. This is why we're going to consider it when we look for the creative signature in your chart. Okay, so maybe you found your fifth house, which is the slice of the pie that has the number five in the middle. On the outside of the wheel, or the crust of the pie, you will find the sign that your fifth house falls in. That sign describes the approach you're going to take when you go about expressing yourself creatively. Again, consider the element and modality for the ways you might be most inspired and the role that you naturally tend toward in your approach. For example, I have Virgo as my fifth house and Virgo is a mutable earth sign. So you might deduce that the style in which I express my creativity is practical, meticulous, and organized, Virgo, While my working style is flexible, eclectic, and hardworking, mutable, and the way I channel my creativity is sensual and grounded in the material world, earth. And guess what? This is all pretty true. I'm very dedicated to the little details when it comes to my creative process, and I don't really stick to one medium. I just let the art come out in whatever form it wants, whether that's through writing, embroidering, playing music, using my body, etc. All right, on to our break. I can be pretty quick to judge, even quicker to beat myself up. And I prefer to... Then, we want to check if you have any planets in your 5th house. And it's okay if you don't, that doesn't mean you're not a creative person, it just means you don't have any planets in your 5th house. There is still somewhere else that you can look for more information, and we'll get to that in a second. If you do have planets there, these can offer more of a description of the ways in which you'll tend to create, or like the vibes that your creations will give off. Like, I have Venus conjunct Chiron in my 5th house, and Venus is my chart ruler, which I talked about before. From a creative lens, basically this means I make sad girl art. And making sad girl art can heal me and other, other sad girls. And just maybe happy people who like sad music. There's way more to that, but I like that interpretation. I'm gonna leave it at that for today. The next thing we could consider to look further into the creative approach with the 5th house is the 5th house ruler. This will give us another lens to understand the fifth house through. Every sign has a planet that rules it, and you can go ahead and look up which planet that is for your fifth house. I've already gone through the planetary rulers in previous episodes, so I'm going to let you take advantage of those. And you can think of the ruler by house and sign as the fifth house's undertone, like the bass line in a song. It gives us more information about how and where creativity is expressed in the chart owner's life. So back to me, I like talking about myself in the earlier episodes and then I didn't get to in the rising episodes, and now I get to again, just so everybody knows what's happening. So the ruler of my Virgo 5th house is Mercury, and my Mercury is nestled up with Jupiter in my Libra 6th house. What does this mean other than I don't know how to shut up? I will tell you. It means that Mercury is the main actor in the way I approach my creative life. In Libra, Mercury takes on a diplomatic, ever more communicative and social demeanor. With my fifth house ruler in the sixth house, we see that my creative style is interwoven with my daily work, rituals, and physical health. There's like a relationship between the two houses. The more that I've nurtured my creative self, the more that I see how real these pieces of my chart are for me. To do my best art or to do any art at all, I needed to be part of my daily routine. Even before I knew this about myself, I was already practicing it, writing in journals as soon as I can make sentences. The more I've grown, the more regular this practice has become, and it helps me keep that creative channel open and flowing. This is why it's cool to look at the chart through this lens. It can affirm things that you already knew about yourself as a creative person, and show you what you need to fully enjoy that department of life. If you want to look even deeper, You can start looking at the different aspects that your 5th house ruler makes. Like how earlier I talked about that I have a Mercury conjunction to Jupiter. Aspects are going to alter the expression of any planet, so you can look to the harmonious aspects or trines and sextiles for the natural gifts or special powers that your 5th house ruler possesses. You can also look to the dynamic aspects or the squares and oppositions and conjunctions, they can kind of be both. Um, and you can look at these to understand its challenges and growth areas. If you want to learn more about your 5th house ruler's aspects or anything else I've been talking about, I'm happy to interpret your chart through this creative lens in a one-on-one reading. You can find my booking link in the show notes and on the AstroVibe page at ambiadvisemusic.com. Now, to complement the 5th house sign and ruler, the last key piece of the chart that we'll look at is the Venus placement and what's going on with it. Venus rules over love, beauty, art, friendship, and what you value most in life. In traditional astrology, Venus is known as the lesser benefic, lesser to Jupiter, the greater benefic, meaning wherever the planet is, it bestows blessings and makes things a little bit easier. Always altered by the sign and house it's in and the aspects that it makes. The sign and house your Venus is in will tell you most about what brings you pleasure and what you attract. Physically, it can describe what we're most comfortable wearing or looking like. Creatively, this can translate into what mediums you enjoy the most, who you collaborate with, and the general vibes that your creations give off. Like the bright feathers of a bird looking for its mates, we all naturally show off our Venus placements, especially through what we create. Go ahead and find Venus on your birth chart. What sign and house is it in? What elements and modalities are associated with that sign? These pieces of information will give you the general vibe of where your creative interests lie. Then, it's always good to start by figuring out what is the dignity of the planet in the sign that it's in. Venus is in its domicile in Taurus or Libra, exaltation in Pisces, in detriment in Aries or Scorpio, and in its fall in Virgo. Everywhere else, it's neutral. And these are just ways of describing how comfortable Venus is in a sign, not necessarily ways to like rank how good your Venus placement is. Knowing this will just help you understand where Venus is at on a scale from strong as hell to struggling. For example, I have Venus in its fall in Virgo. Venus is most uncomfortable in Virgo. And on top of that, it's conjunct Chiron, my eternal wound. Yet, I have had loving relationships and I make art on a regular basis. How could this be? Well, there are a lot of things going on in my chart, and that's not really what essential dignities are about. When a planet is in the sign of its fall, it just means that their individual values and needs don't align. Venus is all about bringing people together, creating positive flow, and just having a lovely, pleasant time. The archetype of Virgo has something in common with those things, it wants to serve other people. Seeing other people happy makes us Venus and Virgo babies happy, especially if we've had a hand in it. At the same time, Virgo is very independent. It's the sign of the Virgin, which in today's day and age just translates to a person who's not tied to anybody else. They stand on their own and take pride in taking care of themselves. What happens when you put to put those things together is someone who's really giving to the people they love But who has a hard time letting them in completely? Because Virgo has such high standards for itself, and the same goes for other people, too. If someone isn't cutting it, our Virgoan practicality kicks in fast. What's the point of pursuing something or someone who's not going to give us what we need? We let go. Emotionally. Whether or not we stick around or keep trying to make things work is up to other factors in the chart. I see Venus in its fall in my artistic life and how I tend towards perfectionism, which has the great power to inhibit me from creating anything at all because I'm just so critical of what I'm doing in the moment that I don't let myself get into the creative process. My Venus doesn't get to be fabulous like in fellow earth sign Taurus, it's more reserved and cautious. Knowing about this has helped me to identify some of the pitfalls that I run into creatively and helped me to grow my strengths of detail-orientedness, dedication to my work, wanting to serve other people through it. So there are good and hard things about it. Moral of the story. Now the house that Venus is in will tell us where in our life Venusian qualities will shine the most. Creatively this could be seen as the arena in which you're most drawn to create. If Venus was in my seventh house of committed partnerships I might like creating with a trusted friend. If it was in my ninth The house of travel, journeys, and higher education, I might like creating long works, academic knowledge, or things concerned with other cultures. If it was in my 11th house, I might like creating with groups of like-minded people towards a future ideal. Just to give you some examples, because my Venus is in the good old fifth house, the house of pleasure and creative expression. We know all about it by now. My Venus placement steers my creative attention, toward the creative act itself. It means that I'm drawn to the fun and playful part of creating things, and my creations might reflect that. I don't think I need to further justify that if you've listened this far in the podcast. My creations might also be romantic, as the fifth house is associated with dating and casual relationships. Also, because the fifth house rules fertility, I might be very generative or prolific, and children or young people might one day be very important to my creative story. One last important detail here is that Venus is in its joy in the fifth house, according to traditional astrology, so it's the house that she's happiest in. My Venus is both in its fall by sign and in its joy by house. What a combo. My future bae is in for such a treat, to be honest. As we did with the fifth house ruler, we'll also want to check out any aspects that are being made to Venus, because those will give us more information about what other planetary influences are at play. We already know about my Venus Chiron Sad Girl conjunction, but I also have a nice trine to support it. It comes from my moon in Capricorn. Trines, like i said, are harmonious aspects that make things easier for you. It's like being born with a super strong muscle, just one or like a couple of them. <laughs> but like the muscles, you have to intentionally use them to maintain and get the most out of them. I think this trine supports me in making art that has an emotional feel to it, and that's part of why the act of creating is so healing for me, especially considering that Chiron is involved. If I'm making something, it's usually because I'm sad. (laughs) And honestly, like, let it be, right? It's a really good uh, jumping off point for me. Yeah! So that's the show! I hope it was helpful to hear about these pieces of the chart and what they can tell us about our creative processes, roles, and interests. In a future episode, I'll talk more about predictive astrology and timing techniques or how to work with the moon and transiting planets so you can get the most out of your creative juices. And don't forget to keep your ears out for our special guest episodes where I'll do live chart readings based on everything I talked about today. Go check out the Astro Vibes page on ambientvibesmusic.com to generate your chart, book a reading, ask a question, or check out our merch. So many things you can do. Thank you for listening to the show. I really like making this podcast for you. And just the fact that people listen to it and maybe get something out of it is so magical to me. I will talk to you next time. And I hope you have a really lovely week. Bye-bye.